Welcome to the Kalos Church Podcast. We're honored that you join us here. Kalos is a poorly pronounced Greek word that means beautiful. We chose that name because we believe that the words and ways of Jesus are very beautiful. And so each week we're bringing content to help make known that beauty. So let's go ahead and dive in to this past Sunday's sermon. All right. Well, I'd be honored to read the word with you guys this morning, and it's coming from Galatians chapter 4, starting in verse 21. Tell me, you who want to live under the law, do you know what the law actually says? The scriptures say that Abraham had two sons, one from his slave wife and one from his freeborn wife. The son of the slave wife was born in a human attempt to bring about the fulfillment of God's promise. But the son of the freeborn wife was born as God's own fulfillment of his promise. These two women serve as an illustration of God's two covenants. The first woman, Hagar, represents Mount Sinai, where people received the law that enslaved them. And now Jerusalem is just like Mount Sinai in Arabia, because she and her children live in slavery to the law. But the other woman, Sarah, represents the heavenly Jerusalem. She is a free woman, and she is our mother. As Isaiah said, rejoice, O childless woman, you who have never given birth. Break into a joyful shout, you who have never been in labor. For the desolate woman now has more children than the woman who lives with her husband. And you, dear brothers and sisters, are children of the promise, just like Isaac. But you are now being persecuted by those who want to keep you in the law, just as Ishmael, the child born by human effort, persecuted Isaac, the child born of the power of the Spirit. But what do the scriptures say about that? Get rid of the slave and her son, for the son of the slave woman will not share in the inheritance of the free woman's son. So dear brothers and sisters, we are not children of the slave woman. We are children of the free woman. Some scriptures make you go, yikes. Oh, man, I'm excited today. Today, I'm going to talk to you from this title, Is God Really Good? Let's pray together today. God, we just thank you so much for uh, your word. Uh, God, that at the end of the day, Lord, um, it is the thing that is the foundation um, to help us live this life, God. Lord, would you just challenge us in this moment? We just invite your presence in here to speak to us. Um, Even maybe through difficulty, God, and through obstacle and through hard times, God, you can still speak a message of hope. And so we hope on you today. We trust in you today. And then lastly, God, we pray, uh, like we prayed first service, uh, that you would deliver America for their love of C-minus talent and Taylor Swift. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, I see some t-shirts over there. I'm teasing, I'm teasing, I'm teasing. Kind of. Um, it's so good to be back. Uh, man, I just feel, feel a part of the fam just being back. Uh, second time, I did get stuck in Taylor Swift traffic. Um, so a little bit, that's where my edge comes from this morning. So you just have to forgive me and uh, I'll uh, try, to, try to move on. Um, I don't know any Taylor Swift lyrics, so I 
couldn't like make that happen. But anyways, um, well, a little bit about me. Um, so last time I came, I kind of told you guys a little bit about myself. I, I, I'm a church kid. I grew up in church. My dad was a pastor. I was born on a Thursday, and I always like to say that uh, I found myself in church that very week. And so I have been in church ever since. I haven't really missed. Um, you know, when I was a kid, obviously, I would get drugged by my parents. Uh, my, not, I would get drugged by my arm. Sorry, let me... <laughs> Let me uh, clearly say that. Uh, um, to church with my parents, but uh, as an adult, um, I have truly uh, never departed, and so I find that to be my testimony, and I'm super excited to, to continue to serve the Lord. Now, I don't know about you, but maybe you're new to church, and that's totally fine, but if you're, if you're not, you grew up in church like I did, you grew up hearing this particular phrase or statement. Someone would stand on a stage, and they'd probably say something like, God is good, and then all the time, they say, God is good, and all the time, God is good, and all the time. Okay, that's my singing for today. There we go. Um, just this statement and phrase. And I'm afraid that sometimes in our culture, and especially in our Western American church culture, that sometimes phrases like these can get lost in translation, and they can lose their power and just turn into cliche. God is good all the time, all the time. God is good. It's easy when you're like in church or in the lobby or maybe during the meet and greet time there, where just what we just had. And, you know, you see somebody and they're like, how are you doing? You're like, God is good all the time. God is good. And it's just turned into a cliche and lost its power and its revelation of the reality that we that call ourselves followers of Jesus, of the most high God, live our lives from a revelation that he is good. You say, Chris, how can I call God good in the midst of everything that I've faced in my life? Now, all of us in this room over the last several years, last four for sure, but even longer than that, and for some of us, we've experienced difficulty. We've had hard things that we've walked through. Maybe you're in this room today and you've lost a loved one. Maybe you lost a job during the pandemic. Maybe uh, situations uh, caused you to force you to move or you had things that just really caused you to experience excruciating pain. No one uh, would fault you at all for kind of spiraling into this place where life seemed upside down, where you're really questioning and continually asking yourself the question, is God really good? No one would, would blame you. But today, I hope that through the passage uh, that we're going to deal with a little bit, and I just hope that um, we would get a deeper understanding for God's goodness in this moment. You see, when situations come their way and when things happen, it's easy to just lean and look to our natural inclination, or our natural senses, what we see, what we, what, we, uh, what we touch, what we can feel, what's tangible. And it's easy to kind of slip into this tension point of, well, wait, is God really good? And so today, I hope that uh, you would uh, find just a deeper revelation of what God's plan is for our life and what his goodness means for us. 
Now, for me, I'll just give you a little background story um, just on my life. I, I, I never want to stand on a stage and act like um, I got it all together and my life's been amazing and perfect and I've never experienced anything hard. I want you to feel the weight and the magnitude of what I'm saying today. Now, uh, this is my beautiful wife, like I said, Sarah, and uh, we've been married now 11 years in December. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Now, Sarah and I, we met in church, and so I'm just going to put this, you know, advertisement out there. Church is a really good place to meet somebody. We got any singles in the room? Come on, somebody. Not anymore. Come on. <laughs> Prophesy. Um, Sarah and I, we've been married now for 11 years, and uh, I remember when we, uh, when we met, uh, I was uh, the ripe age of 22, and uh, we have a little bit of an age gap. Sarah happens to find herself about 10 years or so older than me. I won't tell you exactly how old, because my mom said never tell a woman's age, so I did not. Uh, but I'm, I'm, I'll be, I'm 33, I'll be 34 uh, next in October, and... Um, See, I didn't say exactly, so you don't even know. Is it nine years? Is it 10 years? Is it 11? So you don't know, so it's just whatever. And so we've been married, and I remember when we first got married, Sarah had two kids, and so I was, like, excited to be a stepdad and just all this stuff. And, you know, when you start marriage, at least for a lot of guys, I, I wasn't really thinking towards the future. I just I was like, I love this girl. I want to spend the rest of my life with her. And uh, I remember the Lord, uh, right before we got married, a few months, uh, the Lord giving me this deep sense and this, like, really burden um, to be a father and to father and to have children of my own. And um, the story is... Uh, uh, kind of a wild one, but yeah, I just remember that God birthing this heart of me to be a father, and I, uh, I didn't really know what to do with that, but I was just like, okay, God, like, okay, cool, you, you say, like, I'm going to be a dad, uh, you know, you even give me names and everything, like, okay, this is great, um, and so I remember uh, our first year of marriage, we were like, no, we, we're just going to enjoy marriage and the bliss of being married. And so our first year of marriage uh, was great. And then we finally decided after year one, we were going to try to start having kids. And, um, you know, little do we know, we start trying, we get pregnant like right away. And we're so excited and just amazed at, at God. And I'm like, man, God does really does work fast. And this is awesome. And uh, so we get pregnant and, you know, we do our little Facebook announcement. We actually use Starbucks cups with the, from the big sizes down to the small sizes. And they even got a little mini one you can get. It's like a shot. That's the baby one. And I remember that when that happened and uh, we were so excited. And um, a, a, few, a few months in, uh, you know, we, we started to experience complications. And um, it was shortly after that where we lost um, that pregnancy. And uh, to be honest, it was something that was very hard. I never experienced something like that in, in, in life where, you know, the Lord tells you something like, hey, like you're going to do this thing, you're going to do that. The Lord gives you like a burden or a desire to do something and then you're met and you get your heart set on it and then you're met with this difficult circumstance. And then, uh, you know, in church, people would give us every, like, cliche, like, hey, like, you know, God has a plan, like, yada, yada, this, and just trying to encourage us from a good place. And so we shouldered on, and we, we picked our heads up, and we began to live life and try to pursue after this thing more. And then um, shortly after, we find ourselves, we're pregnant again. We're so excited, uh, and we're, like, just trying to 
like contain our excitement and getting all fired up again. And then again, several weeks into it, um, we ended up losing the pregnancy again. And then we get pregnant again, and then we lose another pregnancy and another pregnancy. And um, I just asked Sarah between services. Uh, so it was a total of nine times. And so when I say this, this statement, this phrase, like God is good, it's really hard to live through these circumstances and to say that with a straight face. Like God is good, but all of this is happening. And the reason why I tell you that story is not to make you feel bad for us per se, but it's just simply to say this is that in the middle of the things that we're going through, in the middle of your brokenness, in the middle of your darkness, in the middle of your moment that you find yourself in, God is ever present and ready to comfort you in those moments. And so today you might have walked in the room and may be heavy. You may be something heavy on your heart. God cares for you. Scripture says that we can cast our cares upon the Lord for he cares for us. No matter how big, no matter how small, no matter uh, even if you feel like it's trivial, I keep asking God, God, why? Why is my hairline continuing to recede every single year? And when will be the point where I have to let it go? Whatever it may be. It may be, God, why uh, when I wake up in the morning, does my back hurt so bad? Why are my fingers and my joints hurting so, so bad? It may be small like that, or it may be big like, God, this thing that you put in my heart, this desire, this, this calling, why am, are we experiencing loss? Why is this not coming to fruition? Here's something that I would love to just get across as a main thought today, is that when we experience life and we go through life, if God said it, it is he that will make it happen. I'm going to say that one more time. If God said it, it is he that will make it happen. I'm not trying to come against, you know, what conventional wisdom may say or what uh, experts may say. If our God in heaven, the creator of the heavens and the earth, the creator of you and I says it, it is he that will make it happen. I'm so grateful for a God that supersedes any line of human intellect or wisdom, that God is truly good. Ephesians 3.20 says this, now unto him who is able to do more than we, uh, more abundantly than we ask or think according to the power at work in us. You see, at the end of the day, as humans, we have such a limited ability to create and a limited ability or capacity to be something or walk in something or be a calling or be a promise. But God is able to do more than we ask or think. And so even as great or as smart as we may think we are, God's ability and capacity is far greater. And so I want to really help us today. Instead of leaning to our own strength and our own ability and our own intellect, when we walk through times of difficulty, we should look to the God who can do the impossible. Today, what are you believing for? 
I'm sure everybody has something in the room that they could say, man, I'm really believing God for this. I'm really asking God for this or really wanting this to happen in my life. Well, today I would simply submit this to you is that you should follow the plan that God has for your life. You should follow the plan that God has for your life. Now, Drake is not the only one that has this figured out, right? God's plan, God's plan, God's plan, yeah. Okay, there it is. <laughs> See, I mean, I said if they respond, I, I would definitely sing. God's plan is the best plan for our lives. Let's take a look at this passage that Sarah read for us uh, in Galatians. Now, Paul is writing this to the church at Galatia, and he says this. I'm going to pick up at verse 22. It says, the scriptures say that Abraham had two sons, one from his slave wife and one from his freeborn wife. The son of the slave wife was born in a human attempt to bring about the fulfillment of God's promise, but the son of the freeborn wife was born as God's fulfillment of his own promise. Let's key in there on uh, the first part of that. In verse 23, the son of the slave wife was born in a human attempt to bring about fulfillment of God's promise. Now, I don't know about you, but sometimes when I find myself in these situations, uh, I, I would default to trying to be the fulfillment of God's promise for my life or for this situation. Now, here's the story that Paul is describing. He's talking about Abraham and Sarah, and we don't have all day to get into the nitty gritty of the story, so go back and read the story of Abraham and Sarah. It's uh, this crazy story. Abraham is this man. He's 75 years years old, and God tells Abraham that he's going to be a father of many nations. He's going to have a child. He's going to have, and through his lineage, there's going to be so many children born. And first of all, I don't know about you, but when I read that story, the first thing I hear is a 75-year-old having a baby that kind of seems a little crazy. I don't know if like, because in my timing, I just be like, God, you know, it's better to have a kid when you're like 20-something as opposed to 75, but that's, maybe that's just me. But the story is, is at 75, he gets the call. God drops this in his heart. He's going to be a father of many nations. Fast forward about 25 years to when uh, uh, he's about to be, uh, he's about to be 100, so he's 99. And at this time, the promise still has not come. There's still no baby. There's still no child. God has, has promised him this thing. And again, God reassures his promise. He said, you're going to be a father of many nations. Look up at the scars, stars in the sky. You will have more descendants than the stars in the sky. And I don't know about you, but I'd be like, how, God? How? How if I have no kids, am I going to be a father of many nations at 100 years old? Well, like a lot of us, Abraham and Sarah, uh, you know, are smart people. You know, they're probably uh, very, uh, you know, industrious. They can figure things out and they can be really smart. And so what they decided to do is Sarah says, hey, you should lay with my servant. And this is how you will become the father of many nations. Paul is giving us this example because he's trying to let us know that when we try to fulfill our promises within our own ability, it's only a human attempt that will fall short of God's best for 
us. What do we do? What, what is that in our life? What are, what are those things that we choose to try to lean to our own understanding or lean to our own ability? At the end of the day, the best plan that we could possibly follow for our life is following the plan that God has set up. And sometimes, if not every time, that includes obstacles, that includes struggles, that includes pain, that includes uh, slowdowns. Here's the thing that I know about God is that my God is never late. He's always on time. And even when we feel like it's, uh, you know, we're going to fall by the wayside or even when we feel like, God, where you at? Uh, you know, I'm on my last leg here. I'm at my end of my rope. In, even when we feel like we're at the end of the rope, this is the moment where God is faithful and comes through for us like he always does and has promised. So Paul here is telling us, don't live life in an attempt to bring about God's promise. Live according to the spirit. Verse 24 said, these two women serve as an illustration at God's two covenants. I love that we just took communion, right? So communion is a picture of the new covenant of Jesus, his blood being poured out for us. The sacrifice that God so loved us that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes shall not perish, but have everlasting life. This is a beautiful picture. He's showing us an illustration of what it is like. And so at the beginning, he starts out by saying, tell me, uh, you who live under the law, do you really know what this law says? He's asking us, do we want to live our lives according to the old way, to the obsolete way, the way that is no longer the thing? A lot of us in the room, I can tell because I see a lot of Android phones in the room. There's a lot of people who want to live according to the old way, the obsolete way. Come on. We'll pray for you afterwards if you want to get saved and, and give your life to, to Apple. I'm just playing. Um, so Paul's asking us, do you even know what the law says? Do you really want to live that way? There is a better way for us to live, and that is the way of Jesus. That is the way that we have been saved by grace through faith. And now that we uh, have come to accept the sacrifice of the spotless lamb, we can have a relationship with the God who's the creator of the heavens and the earth. The God who can make a way where there seems to be no way. The God who can save and rescue. This is the God that we can come and know and have a relationship. No longer do we have to come through God to an intermediary. You see, in the old way, in the old obsolete way, people, the way they had to come to God is they had to give sacrifices. They had to sacrifice animals in order for them to have a connection and the forgiveness of sins. But because of Jesus, we can now know what is the great hope that our God has for us. Today, I would love to just give you some practicals because I don't want to leave you here hanging, thinking like, okay, Chris, you talked about, is God good? How can, and, but my question is, how can I know that God is really good in the middle of my difficulty? How can I know that I can trust in this God? Well, firstly, you can tell that God is good by what he has done in the past. 
Can anybody testify and talk about what God has done in the past in their life? What God has saved them from in their lives? I once was lost, but now I am found. Ephesians 2 says, once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins that you used to live in. Sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the heart of those who refuse to obey God. All of this used to be the way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. Here's where I would start with that today is that I can tell that God is good by what he has done in the past. We just read this passage. What we deserved is God's anger. What we deserved is God's wrath. But I love what the scripture goes on to say here. It said, picks up and it says, but God. Come on, somebody say, but God. Who is so rich in mercy. He loved us so much that even when we were dead, because of our sins, even when we rejected God, even when we tried to live life in our own strength, in our own ability, when we tried to live life in our own direction and everything was about us, even when we weren't surrendered to God. But God, because he is rich in mercy and he loved us so much, even when we were dead because of our sin, he gave his life when he raised Christ from the dead. This is how we know God is good, because when we did not deserve it, his goodness and his grace, he gave it to us. Even when we were opposed to God, he still loved us. This is how we know God is good for what he's done in the past. This book that we read today, this Bible, they don't call it a good book for nothing. There are stories in there that aren't just stories you may have seen off the Disney Channel or Nickelodeon, if that is even in existence anymore. I don't even know. These are real stories of real people like you and I that God has saved and rescued and made a way for when there seemed to be no way. In some ways, I love the, the, the passage that we read at the beginning. It's a passage that's very messy, and it's a passage that's kind of problematic in some ways, and it's like, yikes. That's an interesting story, but I'm glad it was. You know why? Because how often are our lives as equally messy? The things and the situations we find ourselves in are sometimes problematic, but God, because of his great love and mercy for us, didn't throw us out didn't look at us any differently, but he looked at us with an unfailing love. And so I'm grateful for that today. We can tell that God is good by what he's done in the past. Secondly, we can tell that God is good from what he is doing right now. You don't have to look and scour the earth to try to find, is God good? You can say, right now, in this moment, God is good. If you have breath in your lungs today, if you are sitting in this room, if you are watching online, if you listen to this later, that God, if you have breath in your lungs, God has a purpose for your life. And it's up to us to lean in to what the Spirit is doing. 
I love the metaphor that we gave earlier during Team Huddle. We we're talking about this idea that God is constantly speaking. God is constantly on the move. God is constantly working. But the thing I love about the Spirit is that, that he's a gentleman. And he's not going to force himself on us. And at the end of the day, it is up to us to join in and get in the rhythm of what God is doing to bring our heart into alignment. And so we can tell that God is good by what he is doing right now. But here's the thing. As we're going through our situations, as we're living our life, it's going to be really hard to tell that God is good when everything in our situations that we're facing is dictated by how we can see, feel, touch, and experience it. This life of following God is not a life uh, that's based off emotions. It's not a life that's based off of our five senses. It's based upon the faith and trust we put in him. We can tell that God is good by what he is doing right now. As we kind of bring this thing to a wrap, there's a, there's a last thought that I had for us. How could we tell that God is good? You know, as I was telling my story a little bit, oh, the band can come up too, by the way. We're going to close it up. As I was telling my story a little bit, you know, I know it's easy to uh, sit here and, and uh, I can stand today with a smile on my face. And to be honest, you know, I'm, I'm not faking it today. I, I truly do believe in the goodness of God. It would be very easy for me to experience all the things that I've experienced and to live the life that I've lived and to just, you know, be like, well, I guess, I guess this God thing is not real. I guess this, I guess I'm not going to give my heart to, or my life to this thing. The circumstances all around what I'm facing seem like something I should just not believe. So Chris, what is the thing that gives you confidence that God is good? You talked about the stories in the Bible. You talked about, you know, leaning into the spirit. You've talked about the way you live your life. You talked about all these things, but at your heart of heart, Chris, what is the thing that causes you to still believe? And I'd simply say this. Thanks, first of all, for asking. Because contrary to popular belief, God is not afraid of our questions about him. He actually wants us to ask about him. He wants us to lean in and to, to, to desire to, to know his heart and his attribute. For me, it's a few things, but I would sum it up and boil it down to this simple point. That at the end of the day, me, like the example Paul gives us, me on my own, the best that I could come up with would only be a human attempt to fulfill God's promise in my life. And I would be lying to say that I've never tried to just live it on my own and do it on my own. Actually, this is how I became a preacher. <laughs> I had no intention on being in ministry, serving the local church. I loved God with my whole heart, but I had a plan for my life. I had it plotted out. Like I was gonna, I was gonna play basketball. I was gonna be in the NBA. I was gonna unseat Michael Jordan as the goat. And then LeBron came along and he's the goat now. Um, 
No. I had my own plan figured out. And the thing that I love about God is that God, like I said, is a, is a gentleman. He, he does not force himself on us. And I love that the Lord allowed me to kind of like live my life because I was trying to control my life. And so the Lord kind of was like, all right, go ahead and experience what life is like absent from me. And so I did that. And inevitably, like many stories in the Bible end, I found myself at my lowest. I found myself at my rock bottom. And there God was to pick me up and ask me the simple question, are you ready to experience what a life with me is like? You see, the thing I love about God is that God is not, can not only be characterized as the word good, but God is actually the definition of the word good. If you open your dictionary, you'll find a picture of God. He embodies good. His ways are good. He is a good, good father. And I don't know your experience with your earthly father, but I know this is that God is a father that is trustworthy, that loves his kids. Those who find or call themselves children of God, God provides for his kids. And what I get from this story and this example of Paul breaking it down for us is simply this. I may not know how God's going to do it, but at the end of the day, I just trust that he is going to do it. And he is going to lead my life into flourishing. And I think that's the point of this. We don't want to live life according to the old way where we choose to lean into our own devices, where we choose to try to be the captain of our own ship. We want to live life where we say, Jesus, you take the wheel. You lead the way. Your will, your plan, your thing for me. Here's the encouragement. Life is going to happen. We're going to face difficulties. It's going to get hard. But Jesus' promise to us, he says that we can take heart for he has overcome the world. He's overcome the darkness. He's overcome your pain. He knows your pain. He knows your anguish. He knows what you go through. But will you trust him with everything? That's what it means to follow Jesus. Is people joyfully choosing, not my way, Lord, but your will be done in my life. Today, as we close and as we wrap up, I hope that you would get a revelation that God truly is good. I like to think about it like this. I like to think about it like sunglasses. You go outside and you put sunglasses on because the sun is way too bright to stare directly at or even around. I like to think about it like this. The goodness of God is the framework which we should live our lives. We should throw those glasses on in the life that we live. And when pain and darkness and bad things come, we can look at it with a new light because we know that even though this may really, really be tough, God is still good. 
Thank you so much for joining us for the Kalos Church Podcast. We'll be back here every week with fresh content. But hey, I want to give you an invitation to our Sunday morning service. We'd love to meet you in person. We have multiple service times every single Sunday morning in downtown Bellevue, Washington. If you would be interested in joining us, just go to www.kalos.church. All the information you need is there. You can actually even click a link to sign up and save a seat so we can help make sure you feel comfortable coming and hanging out with us in person. So thanks again for joining us and we'll see you next time.